LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Atkins, and today I'm here with a special guest uh, from not too far away, man. We you you've got to come up here. It's it's Dino yeah. Rizzo. Um, he's written Servolution and um, more recently a book called Serve Your City, which if you want more information about, you can go uh, to ARC, that's A-R-C, churches at, I'm sorry, not at, arcchurches.com. <laughs> Simple enough. Uh, and then, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about that. Actually, why don't you talk a little bit more about that? You you guys do an incredible job of resourcing churches, you know, um, under LifeWay leadership is new churches and there's a podcast and websites and, yeah. and all that stuff. But you guys do an incredible job of resourcing churches. So why don't you talk a little bit more about um, about outreach and the way you guys approach that? Yeah, well, well thank you, Todd. Thanks to LifeWay. You guys are always a, a big source for churches and ARC and all us that do this as it relates to leadership and just learning, always learning, learning. You guys are always at the forefront of learning and what's kind of happening, best practices around the world. So thanks a lot for letting me be a part. But yeah, that's what I enjoy. I think one of the reasons I was reached through outreach. So a church did a creative outreach back in uh, 1982. I'm a, I'm a dinosaur and uh, I was 18 years old and it caught my attention and had a conversation with one of the people that were there serving uh, in our city in an outreach. And it really, it really, it helped me see the love of God in a different way. I didn't go to church a lot, had not been in church a lot. So it marked my heart. So I think a lot of it comes out of my own journey of thank God for what happens inside the walls of a church, more importantly, what happens from the church. So I think it's super important. We, we tell all our church planners here, or we, we get to help plant some guys uh, every year. Uh, and we always make sure that uh, we, we tell our church planners, make sure you're serving in the community before you have your first service. Because that way people know why you're there. You're there to love people. You're there, there to reach people, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, not just open up and have services. So it's dear to my heart. We love resourcing churches, whether it's books or other online platform resources for serving, or it's just being able to encourage and give churches ideas on how to engage their community and be present during a community's pain. Well, it's so good. You know, uh, I can remember, so, you know, you're uh, at Church of the Highlands and, yeah. and executive director of ARC, but I know that from that perspective, being Church of the Highlands, uh, it when you go into a new community, people kind of have an expectation that you're going to come in with a posture of, hey, guys. We're Church of the Islands. You're welcome. Yeah. You're welcome. We're, we're here now, you know. Yeah. And so I do think that it's so important, you know, when I look back uh, 10 years when we were really um, launching a lot of campuses at McLean, it was so important as, you know, kind of a regional uh, church. And, and it doesn't have to be like a, a big city, you know, kind of a thing. I mean, I come from churches in the middle of nowhere, uh, Kentucky, and I can tell you that in every county, because we talk about counties in Kentucky, in every yeah. county, there's those two or three churches that kind of have a name in the community. And if they go out and, and do something, man, how much better is it for them to come in with a posture of serving and a posture of 
prayer um, than it is, you know, come and see. I mean, you see it, you kind of see it everywhere now. No one is really attracted to, hey, check us out. We're so awesome. Whether that's in uh, sports or in celebrity world, it's just not real attractional these days. I think what's attractional is, hey, we're thankful, we're grateful, and how can we help you? People want to be around things that that help them. And so I know at, at Church of the Highlands, I mean, yeah, we're growing, uh, we're reaching, we're, I think we're, we're getting to launch our 20th campus. I mean, it's it's fun to be a part of this. And Chris Hodges is an amazing leader and a dear friend, and he's my pastor, but there's nobody more generous than him. He loves, he loves growing campuses. We love reaching people, but if we don't grow our span of care, uh, in those communities, if we're not growing our span of care for people across the state, then we're really not doing what Jesus wants us to do, which is to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And that's everybody. And so, yeah, it's, and and what's amazing is you don't have to be a big church to help people. Our first outreach when I passed, I passed for 20 years in Baton Rouge. First outreach we ever did was uh, about $16. I went out and bought a couple uh, <laughs> like older bouquets of flower, like at the grocery store flowers. Uh, and, right. and they were like the ones that were fresh like two weeks ago. And cause <laughs> we, we didn't have any money. And I went out and visited two of our widows, my wife and I, we saw two of our widows and just loved on them, cared for them. One of them had visited church. The other one's in the church from there. Goodness. 18 years later, we were serving about 300 widows in our community. So it doesn't take a lot of money. It just doesn't, it just takes an effort. It takes a, let's go try it. And a lot of outreaches you try, they don't work, but that's why we have hundreds listed uh, on the survey.com or in other, in other platforms. Cause there's just some that work in some communities don't work in other communities. It works in a city, doesn't work in a city. Hey, works in a county, don't work in a county. <laughs> right, right. So, uh, you know, one of the things that I've appreciated uh, about you guys from afar is you seem to have effectively made a shift from intuitive to intentional, meaning, you know, intuitive is, is really part of as the church growth movement came along and there became some best practices, I think a lot of people and a lot of churches mm-hmm. naturally grow to who they are because they were just intuitively good leaders. But in order to shift to, you know, really scale, whether it's, yeah. you know, scaling my own leadership or, or uh, scaling my church, you really have to shift from just being intuitive uh, too intentional. Can you, can you talk about that? I don't want to put words in your mouth or anything like that, but is that accurate? Yeah, it's very accurate. You, you, you put good words around it. I mean, even what you were saying, I thought, wow, that's a, that's a good read on, on what we're, I think we're, the the journey that we've been on, whether it's in the arc side of thing in planning churches or what we've done at Church of Highlands or what I see happening in the serve world, because I kind of work those three uh, streams in, 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 in my life. But yeah, I think I think intuitive can can get you there, but you probably won't stay there with it. You eventually have got to become intentional. Eventually, you, 
you need to be a great athlete, but you eventually got to know how to run a play and you can't, you got to run it. You got to know your assignment. And I think that's what's happening. I see this at church of the Highlands. I see it with church planners. Some of them have great vision. They've got a great story. They're very inspiring. They can preach. They're good in a room, but you've got to be able to sort out building a team. You've got to be able to figure out what is your leadership uh, pipeline or factory. Got to be able to figure out how do you reproduce? How do you scale? You said a great word there. So what is working at a church at six campuses, et cetera, et cetera. If I'm now in an urban area and I'm now having to be portable for a long time and I'm now having to work with people that have a different schedule, I've got to be very intentional about what I'm learning from uh, the, the contextualization of what I'm doing in the city as a leader. And so uh, th- th- that's a big yes and amen. We're on that journey. We're, we're having those discussions. And it's like that with even uh, life. I mean, I'm, I, I feel like I'm more of an intuitive leader, but being around Chris Hodges has had that has called me to, to back up and say, OK, what I do to me today will speak to tomorrow. If I'm not lining up the dominoes well, then the momentum that I have can stop as it relates to helping people or building teams. Or, so those, those are those are good things about leadership that you mentioned. Good deal. All right. Now I'm going to actually get into our five questions. So I'm sure we'll, I'm sure we'll run a couple more rabbits together, but yeah, we will. Uh, let's, let's get in there. All right. So, uh, first and foremost, first question is who are you currently learning from? Well, I, I mentioned him already. I learned a lot from Chris Hodges. I mean, he is a generous, uh, loves people, loves to laugh, but he, he, he every day thinks about how to make things better. He's just a, he's a great leader. It's not a time he preaches at Highlands or a time we sit into a meeting that I don't learn something. I learn a lot from Greg Surratt, who is the president of ARC and it's just a big brother to me. He's a, he, he helps people understand leadership at all the stages of their life. He's in a neat stage right now with turning Seacoast over to his, his family, his boys. And then he's now fathering a lot of guys. So I'm learning from him. I always learn from the, from the, a lot of my friends that are in art, the Rick B's at Randy B's at John Seenling near you in Memphis, pastoring a very diverse church. Uh, just his, the, the cultural makeup, the, the background makeup, the, the race makeup of his church is pretty incredible. There's a couple of good African-American pastors that are teaching me a lot about contextualization in urban churches, Jimmy Rollins, Tim Timberlake, Wayne Francis up in New York. And then you always, I always learn things from the Hillsong world. I just love those guys, how they do church, how they see leadership, how they see the world. Brian Houston is an incredible, very secure leader. He reminds me of my, my pastor, Chris Hodges. So I spoke at the Hillsong, New York, about uh, two months ago. I spoke at the L.A. and the Orange County campuses last month. All of them are unique. All of them are different. But when you're inside that service, they are all the same in the most excellent way. So, you know, and then I'm, I'm learning a lot from guys that are planning churches right now. Maybe they're with art. Maybe they're not. I just learned from everybody. But a lot of these young guys that are figuring out how to connect with people in a positive social media way. A lot of the ways that they're doing portable church, how they're getting creative with their their space their schedule, small groups. Um, I, I'm, I'm enjoying that. And some of them are going smaller as they, you know, as they launch campus because of the, the affordability of being in a shared space or being in a multi-use 
space in an urban area. So I'm having a lot of fun learning about that. Excellent. All right. Uh, any books, any books that you would say, hey, man, this is uh, this is something I read in the last six months or a year that, you know, just one of the best ones. I think a book, Greg Surratt just wrote a new book called Revisioning, and uh, it's going to be out here in about the next month. And I read the manuscript and I love it because it's it, it kind of addresses leadership and building a church or leading in all the different seasons and stages of, of your life and the trajectory of a church, which I thought was a very interesting focus that he, he jumped on because he's, you know, he's pastored 30 something years and Seacoast has gone through multi-site and reaching oh, yeah. people and building movements. So that's a good book. It's, it's getting ready to come out. I will say too, I can remember, man, this is like 14 years ago wow. or so being in a, uh, uh, a leadership network cohort with, um, you know, Seacoast and yeah. it was like the old guard and new guard of the day. And Seacoast were like just really starting to, you know, really get going on uh, campuses and stuff. So we were all there for campuses. It was North Point and Northland and Saddleback. I mean, it was all these great churches. And it was, it. what was really cool is he was the only senior pastor that showed up. I mean, you know, everybody else had their exec team. All their exec teams were together, but he showed up. So that's the first thing that was wow. always really impressive to me about him. And just, you know, their whole, their whole family, um, yeah. the whole mafia, uh, which yeah. just, is, has always been just super practical. Yeah. So fast forward to about six or seven years ago, uh, we're, you know, beginning to get content for ministry grid and we're at a verge or something. And, and I'm talking to him and, there's a group of guys and we're talking about parenting. Somebody asked a question about parenting and, you know, family wow. devotions and stuff. And everybody goes around and they give, I'm not going to name the names of who else was there, sure. but these, you know, famous guys uh, give kind of their, you know, very detailed or disciplined Sunday school kind of answers. <laughs> and Greg goes, man, we really don't do any of that. We, uh, we just, you know, do we don't have a, a specific program. What we do is address those things in the moment. You know, as a family, we have a lot of fun together. You know, my philosophy is, you know, making this fun and part of life and not compartmentalizing these things, but, you know, kind of an as you go. And I was like, man, this is the oh, best so answer. So good. So I've yeah. always appreciated. And Jeff, too. And, yeah. you know, Jason, Josh, Pick us a rock, Chris. Yeah. Uh, actually, one of uh, Chris has um, um, a podcast that's in our um, Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. So, oh, okay. anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah they're stuff. all great leaders. Um, all right. So let me ask uh, our second question, which is, what is the main point of emphasis with your team right now? And you can either answer this from an Arc standpoint or uh, a Church of the Highlands standpoint. I'll answer from ARC. So we're trying to understand, uh, you know, we're, we have, we planted 834 churches. Okay. So, and we've had a good success rate, you know, over 90% of those churches five years later are existing and are functioning, you know, you know, we're trying to understand what it looks like to be a, a, a group, an organization, a family, 
uh, at a thousand churches, 1,500, 2,000. The, the, the dream behind art was our founder, Billy Hornsby, just wanted to resource couples that have a dream in their heart to plant a church, launch a church, you know, in a, a thriving church and reach people with the gospel. Keep it simple. And he had a heart to do 2000 churches. We passed away at, at when we were at about 300 churches and we've had some great leaders here. So, you know, to watch it go now, you know, I've been here about six years and we got a great team here, incredible team. And just kind of thinking through that as, okay, how do you scale this? How do you, how do you keep being life giving? How do you make sure that you're not, you know, uh, bottlenecking things and how do we, how do we champion the local church and how do we make sure that we're being diverse and we're, 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 we're doing what we need to do training because church planning is getting more expensive it's getting faster. It can be a little bit more complex. And how do we contextualize that in New England, in Pacific Northwest, in rural, mm, in, uh, yeah. urban? So that it, we're, we're, and then we do it remotely. So there was a time that art was in three cities, Charleston, Birmingham and Baton Rouge. We, we centralized about seven, eight years ago. We moved here to Birmingham probably 10 years ago, moved to Birmingham. Well, about two or three years ago, we decided to be more remote and decentralized because we needed people in the field. So we've got couples living that work for us full time. We don't have a big staff, but we took probably half of our staff and put them in four or five cities, Memphis, uh, Colorado Springs, New York City, San Francisco, Oklahoma City so we can so we can contextualize and make sure that what we're training in the launch is is reality on the street so we, we're asking a lot of questions. We're leaning into guys that have been successful, really watching them, letting them lead the way, making we have about 75 launch coaches. And then we're doing these meetups across the country and in Canada where it could be five pastors at a Starbucks. It could be eight at a Denny's. Man, it could be 300 at a church. We just do about 300 of those a year in everywhere you could imagine, at every size you could imagine, just so we're listening. So listening, uh, learning how to do remote staff, how that works as it relates to a uh, what we do and then contextualizing is super important right now. Good deal. All right. Uh, at risk of extending our time too much, I do, <laughs> <laughs> I do have kind of a, a pressing question. And that is, <laughs> all right. Um, so thinking about, thinking about leaders, no matter uh, if it's, you know, they're, Church is a, a, a smaller church, which a lot of our listeners, you know, have smaller churches or yeah. serve on staff at a larger church or, or somewhere in between. You know, the the interesting thing I think always is from a cultural standpoint, especially in this day and age, I think it's incredibly difficult to um, help leaders be innovative, you know, where they need to be and static where they need to be. I feel like so many times people are are static where they should be innovative and innovative where they should be static. How do you guys yeah. how do you guys wrestle with that or what are some practical things that you would say um, you can do in a setting as you guys have dispersed, you know, all around the country, yeah. really all around the world, how do you 
how do you kind of help maintain that culture? Yeah, that's a good way to say it. Um, well, I mean, you're right that you can get so creative and so innovative. You're, you know, you're too cool for school and it's like, wow, that's so creative, but no one needs it. Um, uh, you know, so we're not trying to do that. I think we're trying to listen. I think listening is huge. Uh, you don't want to answer questions that no one's asking. So we, we, I think listening is big when you're trying to do that. I think that the, the, uh, the core of it is helping people. Um, I think the core of it is it's all about Jesus. Uh, you know, for me, we have to always go back to vision and values. What is our vision at our, what's our vision at the church? What's, what are our values? We serve, we love, we reach, you know, church, we do small groups, we build teams, we, we make a difference, you know, so I think you just always got to remember your vision and values and whatever method that is working at that time, or you need to uh, uh, innovate or start new methods. And that's cool, but they all serve the vision and value of what you're trying to do, whether planning a church, building a church, running a ministry, or, uh, you know, making a difference through some social, you know, Christ centered justice that you're trying to, you know, do missions, vision and values. Just a quick word from our sponsor for today and we'll get back into the episode. Do you ever feel like you don't know where to start with volunteer training? Or if you do, is it hard to get everyone in the same place at the same time? Well, Ministry Grid makes it simple to train every volunteer and leader in your church. With a library of over 3,500 videos and 800 courses, you'll find training for every ministry area and leadership level. From volunteers to leaders to ministry directors, Ministry Grid's scope and sequence of training makes it easy to know who needs what training. And here's the best news of all. For the month of August, you can get unlimited access to Ministry Grid for your entire church for just $399 a year. And every year after that, you're locked into that price. If you want to take advantage of this incredible deal, just go to ministrygrid.com slash podcast to get unlimited training for $399. Once again, that's ministrygrid.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the interview. What are one or two things that other than, you know, spiritual disciplines... Yeah. What are one or two things that you need to do every day in order to stay sharp as a leader? Uh, well, spiritual disciplines. <laughs> it's just funny you said that. I mean, I, I love the word devotion. I, I, I want to live a, devote, a devotional life. You know, where my whole life is not duty and to-dos. I got to make sure in my day there's some devotion to to Jesus and to people. Um, I ha- I'm, I'm careful how I scroll social media. Uh, I've backed off of that a lot the last year because I don't reach the poor and I don't love people well if I'm too, if that's got me too much. So I'm very disciplined on my social media uh, in the last 12 months and it's really made a difference. I think friendship matters. So I think there's always got to be people, you know, you need to reach out to every other day or every three days. That's super important to me. Friendship is big in my life. There's been days that it is carrying me through the valley. Uh, it has kept me from uh, totally self-destruction and it has made me a better person. So I have several friends that we talk a lot to. And then I would probably say that thing is, you know, slow down and don't, have have some margin for interruptions. I think a lot of our interruptions end up being divine. So I'm, I'm trying to do that. I'm older now, I'm 54. So I'm trying to walk a little slower and, uh, and, and enjoy the day. 
Good, good. All right. I'm going to go ahead and move us to our fourth one then. And that is what does leadership in your home look like? <laughs> you can call my wife on this one. Uh, <laughs> she's a strong leader. I married a girl from Louisiana, Delenn. Del- Her name is Delenn. And she's a Cajun and strong. Oh, she's so godly. Todd, she's just best Christian I know. And I, I, I get emotional thinking about all that she is meant to be in our family. We have three children, three children. One is married. My daughter, my oldest daughter is married. So they're, it's a different stage for us. Uh, then I've got a son who, who's doing some things, traveling and doing different things. He's not home much, Dylan. And then I have a, a baby, Isabella, who graduated from high school. He's going to go to Bama. And, um, and so our, our home dynamic is changing right now. But I think we've led very, you know, let's talk, let's be together. Let's 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 make memories. Let's have experiences. Let's do good vacations. Let's go out to dinner. Let's try to be honest. And so I'm trying to lead my home through, you know, loving, through generosity, uh, through being able to listen better. I've not always been the best listener because I like to talk. Sometimes I over talk moments. So I'm trying to know when to pause and, and, and let somebody else say something or say something important. I made the mistake a lot of years of talking past a moment with my children when I should have held up and let them contribute but because I just love to hear myself talk. It was not probably for their benefit. So I'm trying to do a better job of listening when I'm at home. Can you, can you talk a little bit more uh, about that, like talking through – or talking over a moment. Just is there yeah. any example of that, or or oh my gosh, you would, would give because that that's really good. <laughs> so I want to I want to pull that out a little bit. Yeah, we could go hours. I mean, I've missed so many moments because I had something to say, or I was I was just listening. I was, you know, I, I don't want to be a good preacher or a good pastor to my children. I want to be a good dad. And there's been moments where. I was trying to get my point across or give my opinion or, you know, I got to give them truth. I got it. I got to give them direction. And that is super important. That has to happen. But there, there probably would be a time for that. Sometimes I feel like I got to get it all in. I got to say it. And, um, but I'm learning to listen and to Paul. And I think our, our, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to do that better. Uh, my daughter, my, our baby has helped us a lot. She's a talker. So when we get in the car, she takes my phone, makes sure that it's not anywhere where I can see it. And then she cuts the radio off. She, we, we will not ride together with the radio on because she wants to talk. And over time, I've learned to listen better and to pause, to breathe. And to have some margin in my conversation. Because what happens is leaders were constantly giving answers. We fix things, we help things, we make things better. If you, you know, hey, if, if it's a problem, come on, vanilla ice, I will solve it. And so, uh, you know, and, and <laughs> got to do a vanilla ice reference. And so, uh, no, I, that's and you're going to try to put in the hooks so your DJ can uh, oh, I get that. Come on, so it hey, is, you got it's. It's the hook. And it's, it's, it is so many times we want to solve it and we want to solve it in a way that's like a one-liner answer that, you know, some <laughs> pastor that we're talking to would be impressed with. And your yeah. wife and kids are just like, I, I, don't, I don't need any of that. Like, Oh, Lord. I'm just, yeah, you're, you're right. Uh, so I'm sorry I cut you off there while you were. 
Ice, ice, no, no, I'm just saying, I mean, that's, that's what I don't, I need to realize that they're not a problem to solve. They're a person to love. I just, that's where I need to be in my life with my family. That's good. So talk to me a little bit more about like when you were answering that question, one of the things that stuck out to me was um, the experiences factor. There were two or three things that you said that really tied back into the importance of kind of shared experience. Can you, can you talk about that a little bit? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that, uh, you talking about as far as relates to my family. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you just, you know, you live and learn, you just get tired of missing it, tired of, of, of you know, your, my wife telling me, Hey, you cut me off. Hey, I wasn't finished. Hey, I didn't get to finish my thought. Uh, you know, you get, you get, you know, you, your, your son kind of looks at you like what you just said. Hey, that's a great, that's a great preacher thought, but that's, that's not helping me with, with my 20 year old issue that I'm dealing with. And so you're, you're trying to learn and, and change. And, you know, there's a, uh, there's a scripture in Isaiah that, that Isaiah says, and it's, it's the phrase, you know, that I, my, I increased my joy. My joy was increased. And, you know, I want to, I want to increase in my listening or increase in my joy. I want to increase in being a blessing to be around. I don't want to get older and get worse. I want to get older and get better. So that's something that I think you got to be conscious of. Doesn't mean there's not going to be those those moments you're still challenged. But man, let's just trying to be conscious of that in my life right now. Good deal. All right. So our our last question is: What would you tell your 20 year old self about? Well, what advice would you give your 20 year old self about um, preparing to lead? <laughs> I love that question. I'm, I'm on a lot of panels now and you get you, you get that one. And um, it, it's probably not super profound, but, you know, you know, love more. Uh, you know, uh, don't think every, you know, I had this thought the other day that, you know, one sermon, thank God how it can impact eternity and change somebody's life. But, you know, one sermon's not the whole wall. It's just a brick in the wall. You know, so thank God for that Sunday. Thank God for that Bible study. Thank God for that Wednesday night and that podcast and that video. But it's, it's just a, we're just adding it to a, a huge wall, a huge structure, Jesus being the chief cornerstone and my life, my work, my church, my book, my, 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 my message, uh, my, my social media person, it's just one brick in the house that God is building. So, you know, I would tell my, my younger self, calm down. It's all going to happen. And you're, you're a part of it, but you're, you're not the whole part. You're, you just, you're playing a part in the building of the kingdom of God. Do it well, be faithful, but don't think you're the whole house because you're not. So, you know, so calm down. So good. Well, just want to thank you for uh, spending time with us today and being on the podcast. Um, certainly appreciate what you do with ARC and what you do with your church and what your church is doing. And uh, just thanks for spending time with us and sharing with us your leadership and your experiences in life. Well, thank you, Todd. Thanks to LifeWay. 
Well, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you did, you're going to enjoy the Group Answers podcast with Chris Surratt and Brian Daniel as well. They're a part of the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network family, and they've recently covered topics like building a growth track and power ranking group systems. Just look up Group Answers on your favorite podcasting app and subscribe today. Thanks again for listening in. 